0: answer me this question. Does it matter whether the workforce in a particular area is only men or only women? So let me say that again. Does it matter whether the workforce in a particular area is all men or all women? You're listening to The Human Resource that's a valid question. Because what we're going to talk about today actually addresses that very specific topic. And and I want you to think very hard or 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 take your particular situation or your work environment and think about what goes on there. We think about when when we think about all men environment, we traditionally not correctly, but traditionally think of trucking companies. We think of construction sites. We think of environments where traditionally and in the past, they've been male-oriented careers. And then when we think of women, the female gender, we think, well, that could be hair salons, manicurists, it could be call centers and in, and let's think about this the world has changed that is definitely definitely a wrong assumption to think that any environment is exclusive to one gender or the other and again in a time when individuals are able to transition from one gender to another or believe that they can identify and do identify with one gender or the other. The sexual orientation moves from one to the other. In fact, I was just doing some research on gender fluidity. This this is in our workforce now. So we have to be very careful maintaining the mindset that any environment is exclusive based on the dominance of one particular gender or another. And an interesting case came forward the other day, at least came to me uh, here uh, last month, and I I thought it would be a good discussion. It was uh, the case of Sharp versus S&S Activewear. And this is a situation where the Ninth Circuit stepped in and helped an organization understand that They had created a workplace that violated Title VII and created a hostile work environment, and it all started because SNS Activewear decided to blast—I mean, blast music through a seven hundred thousand square foot warehouse in Reno, Nevada—that. Literally, um, well, the court said the choice of music was particularly demeaning to women, and some males were also bothered by it, which kind of tells you it must have been extremely interesting. It was. It was described as being you could near. You just simply couldn't escape it. The the speakers were so loud and so. prominent, that no one, no one was missing it. Workers made complaints on a daily basis and management defended the music as motivational. It allowed it to continue for over two years. Workers also alleged that the music encouraged certain employees to engage in sexually graphic gestures and yelling obscenities. So let's go back over. It's demeaning to women. It encouraged individuals to engage in sexually graphic gestures. They were yelling obscenities. And it was everywhere. (laughs) Nobody could escape it. Well, it was a warehouse. It was a warehouse, so you can only imagine what the acoustics were like. And in the warehouse, it was predominantly men. Eight women, well, excuse me, seven women and one man filed the suit against SNS, claiming that the music and other conduct created a sexually hostile work environment, violating Title VII. Listeners, viewers, this is music. This is music. And when I I was going over this case... I started thinking about how many of you have environments where it's not music. It's a poster on the wall. It's a calendar in a cubicle. It might be pictures. I've got an IT company that they just love posting cartoons and superheroes, and they've got pictures all over the inside of their cubicles. They've got little action figures up there. What about books? And think about the type of literature that we have available now readily. How about nicknames? Are you really watching? Are you monitoring the nicknames that the employees are using with each other? And I have... I. <laughs> I've been in manufacturing settings where they get crude. They get absolutely, and they, they get offended because I ask them to be more professional and address each other with their proper names, their chosen names, their birth names, whatever in the name they feel they want, but not the nickname that everyone else has decided to use with them. Are you permitting that? I know I've got or I have seen business owners that actually promote it. And I'm here to tell you, you need to stop that now. What we used to think as being fun and, and enjoyable and what s and thought to be motivational in this music can no longer be tolerated in the work environment we have today. And it is your responsibility, if you're listening to this show, you're a decision maker. You have some role or maybe an an interest in this role of human resources or in owning a business that you should be understanding the impact that a claim like this can have on your organization. I was doing some earlier research on another topic and I actually came across, um, I think, two or three articles at least, at least on how a, a certain generation is now getting very offended by certain emojis. And they're actually voicing their opinion with business owners to say, look, I didn't appreciate that emoji. I don't think it's funny when you send me a thumbs up. Or if you send me the little smiling poop emoji, that's not what I want from my supervisor. It's not what I want from my director. And all I could think about as I was reading this was, oh my gosh, it goes back to one of my favorite phrases. Perception is 99% reality. And if you've been listening to the show, you have heard me say that over and over and over again. And right now, we are now in in a time where perception is heightened. Optics are, you have to clarify that what you're saying is being understood as what you intended. What you're doing is being perceived and accepted and processed as you intended it to be. And if they're if they're listening to music and they're not um, if they're not feeling safe in that environment, or if if you're observing behavior because someone perceives a, a, a picture or a, a calendar or a, a joke differently than it was intended, you need to address that and get on it immediately. Think about how many times. We talk about emails, but if you're not talking about them, you need to be, because I, I just went through an email etiquette class the other day with a group, and they just started laughing, and they said, oh, my gosh, this happens every day. I said, yeah, so what are you doing about it? I'm talking to you, but what are you going to do about it? Because you're, you're, you're watching this with your employees. I sent them the presentation, and, and they assured me they were going to you know, take it down the ranks, But again, what you may perceive as the business owner or as the director as being one thing, your employees are going to run with it in a different direction. And if you listen to the show, you've probably heard Scott Warwick, who comes on the show every so often. You've heard him say it a million times. You cannot fool yourself if you don't, if if you aren't admitting that they are taping you, they are recording you. Every camera in that establishment has a camera and they're using it. Whether you have a policy for it or not, it doesn't matter. They're doing it. Think of the damage. Something like this could happen. In fact, this show is is is, is listened to and heard by individuals in other countries. I've got viewers all over the country and I just gave out the name of an organization that lost a claim because they had a hostile work environment. You don't want to be this company. And yes, you have the right to go through and look at the emails that your employees are sending. You have the right to go through and listen to their phone conversations. You have the right To tell an employee, I'm sorry, uh, that's not his name. Um, You need to call him by his name. We're not using those kind of nicknames here. We're not going to send emails or text messages using that individual nickname. We're we're a professional organization. And let's go back to your policies. If you don't have a, a policy in your handbook stating that there's no sense of privacy, stop tomorrow morning and put it in there. But you need to be guiding your company in a proactive way to prevent someone from feeling as if they've been harassed or discriminated. And if someone comes to you and complains or, or, or has a concern that they aren't feeling comfortable with the music being played or they aren't comfortable with um, the poop emoji that somebody is sending, you need to have a conversation. Because in my mind, that's not being oversensitive. If someone feels like they're not being taken out to lunch every single day or um, the, gr- the, the group isn't, you know, asking them to, um, you know, join them for beer afterwards, that's being oversensitive, possibly. But not if it involves harassment or discrimination in the workplace. I, I don't even know how to respond sometimes about this kind of stuff. But remember, it doesn't matter that the activity or, or the display or the joke or whatever uh, are not specifically directed to a certain person or a certain gender or group. According to the Ninth Circuit in this particular case, the environment that SNS Active Wear permitted was so toxic that it did create a violation with Title Seven. And what's the ultimate what's the ultimate solution for this? Number one, a policy of no harassment, no discrimination but then train your supervisors, your team leads, those middle managers to identify this stuff quick. Two years, they let this go on for two years. No wonder they got slammed. Learn from them, whether it's music, posters, emojis, a calendar, stop it before it happens. you'll be glad you did. Thanks for listening to The Human Resource.